Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. This morning's message is about anticipation. It's about expectation. Uh, And I'm sure that the boys and the girls were full of different kinds of anticipation this morning. Some of them were probably all excited. Some of them were probably anticipating this with at least a little bit of nervousness. Uh, And they did wonderfully. And along with anticipation and expectation, in all kinds of realms of life, there comes excitement, there comes hope, there comes even imagination and dreaming. May we not lose that, amen? May we not in our lives lose the sense of expectation and anticipation that children teach us so very well by example. As we get older, some people stop getting excited. Uh, Some people stop getting hopeful. Some people stop using their imaginations. And some people stop dreaming. I've heard people share with broken hearts in some cases and in hard hearts in other cases that they're stuck or they feel trapped and life just becomes humdrum. Expectation turns into the expected. Anticipation turns into the anticipated. Everything seems to become predictable. Imagination fades, dreams disappear, and life just becomes the same old, same old, like being on a treadmill or a hamster wheel and not going anywhere or experiencing any joy. And I hope you're not at that place today. Um, Or maybe you know some people who are. Why does that happen? Well, many, many have lost a sense of expectation because of so many unmet expectations, you know? So many disappointments in life because of broken trust, because of pain, because of hurt. Trina and I were, were just talking about that this morning, um, observing with some acquaintances of ours just about how life is an evidence of so much hurt that has taken place in life previously. And then we find ourselves sinking into fear and sinking into self-protection. May that that not be true for us because we serve a Lord and a Savior who sets free, who brings hope, who brings peace, who brings joy, who brings love, and who brings abundance. It's true, we have to be realistic. We have to be realistic, and yet all through life there are opportunities for expectation and anticipation, no matter how small or how big they may be, for imagination, for inspiration. Last week we were in Matthew chapter 1, and we learned from a riveting genealogy, didn't we? At least, at least, uh, I don't think it was too bad. (laughs) So today I want to invite you to Luke chapter 1, to another uh, uncommon passage for Advent. 
It's uncommon, but maybe that can heighten our expectation. But I, I won't hold my breath. This is a story that is full of examples of expectation, not usually connected with Christmas, but they are very connected with Jesus and with his coming. So they are connected with Christmas. Prophetically, they are very closely connected with the coming of Jesus. So Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Fun fact, Herod, referred to in verse 5, is the same guy who reportedly had the genealogies destroyed. We mentioned him last Sunday. Just a little fun fact for us. We meet a couple today who probably had plenty to be joyful about, and we'll see something in particular this morning that Zachariah was particularly excited about. They were both PKs, and in their day that meant that they were priests' kids. Because they both came from the priestly line. They were godly people. They loved and they served the Lord. But that one part of life that can bring so much excitement, they hadn't been able to experience They weren't able to have children. They couldn't have children, which was surely a cause for pain. And something that some precious people in this very room have experienced. And in their culture, in their religious culture in particular, barrenness was also a cause for social shame, for embarrassment. And many believe that God was punishing them for some reason. They were on in years now. We don't know exactly how old they were, but they were on in years. So the prospect of having a child was pretty dim. Now, children teach us anticipation. Uh, We had family over yesterday, including Tarina's younger sister, 16 years younger. And she and her husband, they were part of the family visiting us. And they have five and a half children. It's actually, I think, more like five and eighth, ninths children. And one of them was downstairs. I was, I was playing with them downstairs and, and, and was near the Christmas tree. And so, of course, she started scoping, snooping. She was scoping out under the Christmas tree and she saw all these little small gift bags. And she noticed some recognizable names. So she said the name of her brother. And I said, oh, well, there's probably more than one of them in the world. Maybe it's for a different one. I said, maybe. So anyhow, she was on to it because all of the names of herself and her siblings were were on the bags. And that expectation and that excitement, in fact, she got so excited that she took one of them and she took it upstairs. I said, well, you need to ask your auntie teen because she knows better about what's going on with the gifts. And so, well, she did. She went up and she asked. And then she started taking all of the gifts from under the Christmas tree, most of which had nothing to do with them. 
But that's the idea of that anticipation and that excitement that she was demonstrating. And that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Not just at Advent, anticipating the celebration of Jesus' birth, though, should we be expectant people. But more especially, what I, what I really want to drill down to and, and, and drive at today is, are we spiritually expectant? If God has a particular message or direction or a word or a revelation or a vision or a dream or a verse or an encouragement or even a reproof for you or for me, no matter how big or how small, are we tuned in to hear it? Are we ready to hear what God might want to be revealing or saying to us? What does it take to be spiritually expectant? I think, I think verse 6 that we just read, I think the description of Zechariah and Elizabeth is very instructive in helping us to know what does it mean to be spiritually expectant? Now, I, I recognize that they were from the priestly line, but they were pretty ordinary people because priests only served a short period of time each year. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a moment at the temple. But for the most part, most of them were actually, they were given a plot of land that they didn't necessarily own, but they, they tended to be farmers. And so they would tend the crops and they would tend, tend the livestock. They lived as pretty ordinary people a lot of the time. They were godly, Bible-based people of character, and that's how they lived. They were attentive to the Spirit of God. I think back to Gideon, too. Gideon was like that. We talked about Gideon a number of, a number of weeks ago, and there was Gideon at the threshing floor, and he was pounding away by hand, threshing the wheat, being a very ordinary guy, but he was attentive to the Spirit of God. And that's when a messenger from God came and spoke to him. We go on. As we consider the question, are we spiritually expecting? Are we like that? May we be. We'll continue to talk about these sorts of things today. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, Zechariah was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. So here's the exciting thing that happened for Zechariah. Each priest was part of one of 24 significant groups or divisions of priests. There were a lot of priests. And they would serve for one week, their division, one week at the temple in Jerusalem every six months. So they didn't actually go to the temple to serve very often. And burning incense was one of the many duties. Now, we don't burn incense, and it's kind of foreign to a lot of us, but when we read in Scripture about incense, incense represents, and this is particularly notable in the book of Revelation, that incense represents the prayers of God's people, and God receives it as a fragrant offering. So in this particular case, there's, there was a lot taken, a lottery of names, because there were more priests, there were a lot of priests. And so in order to decide who was going to burn the incense, which was actually considered to be quite a privilege by the priests, they would draw lots. 
Now, Zechariah probably started to be in the priesthood when he was 25 or 30 years old. And, and we understand now he's, he's advanced in years and he gets drawn. Now, we don't know if he'd ever done this before. Perhaps he hadn't. This was one of the probably more exciting times in Zechariah's life as a priest. Sense of excitement as he went to Jerusalem, not too many kilometers from where they lived. They didn't live too far from Jerusalem. In the hill country of Judea, we learn that later in verse 39 of Luke 1. Do we look forward to serving God? Do you look forward to serving God in whatever way that God has gifted you, given you passion, given you excitement, enabled you, drawn you to serve him? I keep giving shout-outs here on Sundays to people who serve because I, I really believe that serving God is worth celebrating. Amen? Because there's an eternal purpose. There's an eternal point in serving God and others. Because God is eternal. And we are pointing people of all ages to Jesus. That's the ultimate point of it, of serving God. That whether it's directly or indirectly, whether it's a, it's a small matter or a big matter, ultimately we're wanting to point people to Jesus and to growing in our relationship and being led by the Spirit in our relationship with Him. Like Zechariah probably got excited about burning incense, like offering prayers. May we enjoy our service to God, whatever it might be. No matter how great or small, no matter if it's, if it's part of a church ministry, or if it's a service in some other place that we are doing whatever we're doing for the glory of God. Psalm 100 says, serve the Lord. Can you say this with me? With gladness. Many of you know that verse. And I believe that joy and gladness can be contagious. We go on in the story. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. So there's Zechariah now. He's gone to Jerusalem. And now he's serving. He's burning the incense in the holy place at the temple. So there's the outer courtyard. And then there's the holy place where the priests serve. One of the things they did there was, was they burned incense. And then there was the, the, the holy of holies or the holiest place where only the, the high priest at that time would go once a year on behalf of the people of Israel. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled. He was downright afraid when he saw the angel, because fear gripped him. The angel was Gabriel. We learn that. We'll learn that in a couple of verses. The same one who would appear to Mary later in this chapter, in the more familiar Christmas story. Zechariah is under, understandably afraid. We go back to Gideon. Uh, Gideon was startled when the messenger came, when the Lord came to speak to him. The shepherds would be when the angel and then the heavenly host would come. And he would be afraid as well. The shepherds would be afraid. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your petition has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. 
Same kind of word of reassurance that was given to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. Everything's okay. I'm here from, I'm here from God and I have a message for you. It's not clear what Zechariah was praying for. I think this is interesting. The angel said, your petition has been heard. Now, we might automatically think, well, he was praying for a son. He wanted a child. But remember, Zechariah and Elizabeth were advanced in years. My suspicion is that he had stopped praying that prayer. Now, maybe that was his prayer. We don't know. This is speculation. But some have speculated, and it makes some sense, that quite possibly he was praying, as many people in Israel were praying, that he was possibly praying for the consolation of Israel. Or he was praying for the salvation, the redemption, the freedom of Israel for the coming of Messiah. But little did he know that he would be and Elizabeth would be involved in participating in the coming of Messiah. We never know how God might answer our prayers. And it's wonderful sometimes when God answers our prayers in ways that we were not expecting. Do we anticipate God answering our prayers? Interesting, John, the name John, the angel said you'll name your son John. John means the Lord or Yahweh is gracious. And how true that was in the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah, like Zechariah, We might be surprised to learn that for some of our prayers, God actually wants us to be involved in the answering of them. You ever found that to be true? Uh, You might bring a great idea to somebody and say, you know, I think you should do this in this ministry. I think you should start up this ministry. And you know what the good answer to that is? (laughs) How can you help? (laughs) How can you help to be the answer to your prayers? And sometimes we'll pray. We might pray, pray a prayer like, Lord, Please bring to salvation my crusty neighbor. And the Lord's answer might be, well, I'd be just very happy to, and I'd like to use you to do that. Thanks very much. Thanks for offering by praying. And for another thing, we might be reminded that God is calling us to earnest prayer for matters of deep spiritual significance. As important as it is for us to pray for physical touches on people because we care about our loved one's physical well-being and we pray for healing and we ought to because God heals. And I urge you yet, and I urge me, that our first prayer always be for spiritual health and healing. Would you say amen? That we can pray, that when we pray for somebody's spiritual health and healing, that we proceed that with a prayer, Lord, would you give them spiritual health? Would you give them spiritual strength? Would you give them spiritual healing if it's needed? And would you bring them a physical touch as well? And I encourage you and I encourage me to not just pray alone, and I know many of you pray with others, but to pray with others and even to journal answers to prayer. Because sometimes God's answers are, yes, I'm going to do that right now. Sometimes God's answer is, wait, wait upon me and learn. And sometimes the answer is no. 
And sometimes, or oftentimes, we can journal those things and we can experience joy and encouragement as we look back and say, look how God has answered prayer. Sometimes in surprising ways, sometimes in ways we didn't expect. Sometimes in ways that we had hoped for. The angel continues and he says, for he will be great, that is John, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. John the Baptist would be the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 from the previous verse, from verse 14. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway or a path for our God. Both John's birth and John's ministry would be key to getting ready for Jesus. Elizabeth and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were relatives. And if we were to read on in Luke, we would read about Mary visiting Elizabeth at her home after Mary was visited by the same angel, Gabriel. And the two ladies would get together to marvel at what God was doing. And Mary would offer a wonderful uh, prayer of praise known as her Magnificat that we find in Luke as well. And then John, who would be known as John the Baptist, whom we often think of as the guy with long hair who ate locusts and wild honey and, and wore camel's skin and camel's hair and lived in the desert. He would be the forerunner. He would be the opening messenger to prepare people for Jesus' coming and to see the changing of many lives toward God. He would indeed fulfill what Gabriel was saying to Elizabeth or or to Zechariah here. And John the Baptist would baptize Jesus, his cousin. Verse 15 here, He will drink no wine or liquor. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He would take a Nazarite vow of abstinence from alcohol, according to Numbers chapter 6, the first four verses. And he would be filled with the Spirit even before he was born. That's exceptional. I don't know what that would be like in the womb. (laughs) There must have been a lot of activity going on in Elizabeth's womb. But that was the case, that was the exceptional case because he would be the anticipator, if you will, of Jesus' ministry. And then verse 17, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him, that is Jesus, that is Messiah. He will go as a forerunner in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Elijah stood up to the prophets of Baal and John the Baptist would stand up to the prophets of self-righteousness and he would declare the word of the Lord in the spirit of Elijah as a preacher and a proclaimer of repentance. Verse 17 is a reference back to Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. We see the fulfillment of Scripture numerous times in the life of John. John would be great, but he would make it very clear that Jesus was so much 
greater. Zechariah responds to the angel. He finally, he finally has something to say. But he says, how will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And then the angel gives the big reveal and he answered and he said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold now, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their, prop, in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Do we ex- accept learning hard lessons from God? Do we look forward to serving God? Do we anticipate God answering our prayers? Do we accept learning hard lessons from God even as was the case for Zechariah. Just like Abraham, just like Gideon, just like I'm sure I would have too. Zechariah asked for, for certainty. He asked for a sign. He said, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, Mr. Angel. I have to admit, I'm a little on the old side. You might notice I don't move quite as quickly as I used to. We were just chatting back in the, in the holy corner in the back <laughs> about aging. He was scared, but he was unconvinced of Gabriel's words. And again, I have to admit, I probably would have questioned too. And, and, and I, I probably would have been silenced too. There were no Guinness records in Zechariah's day. But uh, today, at GuinnessWorldRecords.com, I looked it up, and I learned that the oldest woman on Guinness Records to give birth, does anybody know? Is 66. 66 years old. And apparently she lied about her age and said she was 56 in order to, to get in because she was afraid that if she told them her real age, that they would say, there's no way we're, we're even going to treat you. Uh, and you can look that up at guinnessworldrecords.com. Maybe Elizabeth was that old. Maybe Elizabeth was older. We know that God had performed other miracles like with Sarah, who was considerably older than that. She was 80. We don't know for certain how old Elizabeth was. But Zechariah was silenced. And he had this to anticipate that he hadn't expected, which was a more difficult thing, which was... I'm going to exercise some discipline, said the angel, that because you did not believe me as the messenger of God, I'm going to bring some reproof to you, and you are going now to be going to be silent now for nine months. This expectation is one that's not quite so easy, maybe, to to desire. At first, actually, it seems a little harsh for poor Zach, doesn't it? seems a little harsh to say, you know, you're going to be silent now for, for nine months. Well, we don't know the reason, but no doubt it was for the glory of God. God knew what was best as he spoke through the angel Gabriel. I've heard people argue, I don't like your God, 
because your God punishes people. My God is a God of love. My God doesn't do that. In fact, at the end of the day, love wins. And my God is love and my God doesn't, doesn't do that to people. Have you ever heard that kind of an argument? So there are a couple of problems with that. Obviously, one of them is that there is no being that is characterized by only one characteristic. And or the other matter is, what does love really mean, right? Because what I hear from that argument is that this isn't really love we're talking about, that my God is love, but what we're talking about is my God is just downright permissive. And that that kind of a definition of love says that love means God will let me do whatever I want and God will forgive me and extend grace to me anyway. And it just doesn't matter what I do. Well, Paul was very clear about that when he wrote to the Romans and he said, God's grace is abundant. Does that mean then that we should sin all the more in order to test God's grace? And his answer is, by no means. Absolutely not. After all, if we took that kind of a definition of love, being permissive, and we applied it to, say, the laws of the land. And what came to me this week was, suppose we applied that to driving. And I think of that because we have a a 17-year-old who will be getting his license soon. Somebody goes through a stop sign and causes an accident. Love will forgive, let's be clear. Love will forgive, but there still need to be consequences. And so it is with parenting. I don't love the way or the fact that I was disciplined many times as a child because I was a bit of work. (laughs) But I also know, I mean, my father's been gone for for 28 years, uh, passed away. But I know, I know that my mother never did anything except because she loved me. And I know that it's the same for Tarina and me. I know that's the same for all loving parents. That if we're just permissive toward our kids, that is not love. Amen? Now, how we exercise discipline, that's that we need to be, we need to be godly and careful. But Hebrews 12, verse 6 is very clear. And, and it, Hebrews 12, verse 6 reads that God disciplines those he loves. And he does it to restore. He doesn't do it to beat down. But he does it to restore. And he does it in order that our relationship with him would only grow deeper. Do we accept learning hard lessons from God? Well, Zechariah did. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, to the crowd of people who were outside outside of the holy place. And they realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple. They were, who, who knows? Maybe his face was aglow. But they realized he'd seen a vision in the temple and, and he kept making signs to them, uh, not nearly as good as the signs that we saw uh, earlier this morning. But he kept making signs to them and, and he remained mute. And then when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. 
And she kept herself in seclusion for five months. We don't know why. But she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way, these are words of praise. This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among people. I hope that there are things in your life and mine that fill us with expectation. And not only just things that fill our lives with expectation, but with spiritual expectation. We're in the season of Advent. You know what Advent means? Advent means coming. You know, back in the day, uh, we don't use the word very often in, in, in just normal everyday language, but pe- people would say things like, and now is the dawn of the advent of computers, right? So the advent is, is the arrival or the coming. We're in the, the season of advent, and back in medieval times, and I, I'm not referring to the, to the restaurant in Toronto, but back in medieval times, medieval days, and in the earlier church, when people celebrated or anticipated Advent, it was, an, it was not in anticipation of Jesus' birth. But Advent was, was in anticipation of Jesus' second coming. That's really what Advent was all about. And so I would suggest that when we celebrate Advent, that both are entirely appropriate. Amen? Uh, that we anticipate once again the coming of Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Emmanuel, God with us at that humblest of places in Bethlehem in a manger. And that we see, as has been mentioned, we see the shadow of the cross and we also anticipate the second advent, which is the second coming, the anticipation of, of, of Jesus, restoring of all that has been broken and of setting up a new kingdom and of of coming in his glory. We would see him as he is and enjoy his presence at his very feet and enjoying his presence for all of eternity. Do we expect, finally, to be giving God praise? Do you look forward to giving God praise? I hope you do. I hope you, you anticipate opportunities, times. It, it, it could be unexpected times during the week that we can give God praise. I, I hope you look forward to Sundays and the opportunity to give God praise together. And I hope you look forward to giving God thanks spontaneously other days as well. If God is responsible for our very existence, for our very creation, no matter the length of our days. And he has assured us of eternal life after his second advent or after we breathe our last in the presence of our Savior, then it is a joy and a privilege to give our God praise. And as we look forward to Christmas, what is it now? Nine days away? We can just keep giving God Thanks and praise for the coming of Jesus. There are three Advents to celebrate, it's been suggested. The Advent of Jesus coming in the flesh in Bethlehem. The Advent of 
He's living in our hearts daily. And then the advent of the eternal glory at the end of time. Let me just rephrase these four statements and say, let's look forward to continuing to serve God. Let's look forward and anticipate God answering our prayers. Let's accept learning hard lessons from God. And let's expect to be giving God praise. Amen? Let's pray together. I'm going to invite the musicians to come. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the narratives, for the stories of scripture that teach us so much. Thank you, Lord, for this precious couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Thank you for the model that they are, for being righteous, godly people who are attentive to you, Holy Spirit, who served you, who offered their prayers to you, who received hard lessons from you, and who gave you praise. And Lord, I thank you for each person in this room and for the exercise of all of these things. And Lord, for the freedom that we have in Christ to offer our praise to you, to offer our prayers to you, to serve you, and to receive from you answers to prayers, wonderful lessons, and sometimes difficult lessons as well. And Lord, fill our hearts, I pray, with joy. Fill our hearts, Lord, I pray, with praise. And fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to be tuned in and attentive to all of these things as you lead us and teach us and love us. We pray in the strong, the precious, and the saving name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.